0: your invitation this morning and always. That is your invitation through your Son, Jesus Christ. That is your invitation through the Holy Spirit that speaks and moves among us. So let us come this morning, Father, boldly. What an awesome morning, what an awesome God, what an awesome church family. I am so glad to see you all here this morning as we continue on with our sermon series. The sermon series is called How to Read the Bible, but I'm going to be talking about Jesus again today. And you may be thinking, well, I thought this was about reading the Bible. It is. You'll see. Bear with me. And if not, I'll give you your money back. All right? Here's the deal. We are How to Read the Bible, and this is where we've been and where we're going. Last week we talked about Jesus is the Word. Today we're talking about Jesus fulfills the Word. And then we're going to actually get into the book that breathes and the book that lives. If you've missed anything that you want to go back and see, we're always available on Facebook, on our website, or on our YouTube channel. You can always catch it there. And what an easy way to share. If there's something in a message or a song or something that encourages you, it is so easy to hit copy copy. And send an email or a text to a friend with paste and go, hey, I was thinking about you today. So let's let's spread this good news. Let's not be secret agent Christians. And let's share it with the world, all right? So we're talking today about Jesus fulfills the word. And I have to, to tell you this story. This is a, a true story. I had a seminary professor who came to Christ as an adult. And he, he didn't know much about Christ at all. He wasn't raised in a church home. And he went and he said, well, if I'm going to be a, a Christian, this before he became a professor. If I'm going to be a Christian, I probably should own a Bible. And so he went to the bookstore, not knowing anything. He said there was this whole row of Bibles, and they were all, it was very confusing because there's all these different translations that I saw there's a big one, and then there's, there's Old Testament, and then there's a New Testament. And he thought to himself, now, why would I buy the old one if there's a new one? So he bought the New Testament because he thought that's what you did, right? So why would I buy the old one? So all he knew was the New Testament for the first few months of his Christian life. <laughs> Not moving. <laughs> all he knew was, was the New Testament, Christian life. And, and then later on, somebody introduced him to the fact that uh, there's that unfortunate two-thirds of the Bible called the Old Testament, and it all goes together. So he was very uh, um, flabbergasted, I guess, to learn that. And the irony was he was a professor of Old Testament studies. You can't make this stuff up, right? As he got into it, he realized, wow, this is so awesome. But the, the thing I want to point out is that a lot of people have this problem in reading the Bible where you read the Old Testament, and then you read the New Testament, and you're like, this— doesn't sound like the same god uh, or the same uh, golden thread moving through history whatever you want to call it but i promise you it is if you bear with us we're going to make that connection but first i want to do a word association drill this is your chance for audience participation i want to hear what words you associate when i say new testament jesus love what was it Paul, yeah, that man can write a sentence, man. I don't know when he breathes, when he talks. Yes. Matthew? What was it? Kindness. Good. What else? Forgiveness. Reconcile. Grace. Resurrection. These are all great words, man. Did you hear how much hope and how much life there is in these words? Now watch this. Word association, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say Old Testament? <laughs> Wrath, Genesis, keep going. Rules, Noah. Was it family? Oh, Samuel. Well, yeah, like you named your kid after one of you. Know <laughs> That's ironic because you have an Old Testament kid and a New Testament kid. That's a. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, did you see the, the contrast in language? And if you put associate meaning with the language, New Testament sounds hopeful, forgiveness, and grace. Old Testament sounds wrath and, and hardness and rules and all this stuff that you have to do by duty. So if you had a choice, which one would you choose? New, yeah, that's what everybody says. I want grace, I want forgiveness. I want justice, but for the other guy, I want mercy. <laughs> right? So when we look at Old Testament versus New Testament, this is how it comes across, I think, a lot of the times. On the on the (laughs) on the left, you got the Old Testament, Godzilla, right? And then on the right you got Barney, because it's all I love you, you love me. We're a great big. There we go. Nice, nice. See, I know you can do this audience participation thing. And this is how we approach life, right? This is Old Testament God and New Testament Jesus. But I'm, I, I think there's something deeper if we peel back and we're going to look at Jesus today specifically at how he handles this. Because he did this thing when he came, uh, obviously he taught people, but he had a, quite a crowd at this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. And you can find a, a, a whole lot of wisdom in what he says there. And if you look at the words of the Sermon on the Mount, you can find it in Matthew. We're going to delve into a couple of pieces of it today. If you look at the words of the Sermon on the Mount, you could say that Jesus was contradicting the Pharisees, and that he was, in some cases, contradicting uh, the Jewish faith, because uh, even in the the middle of his sermon, he says, you may have heard it said, and then he'll say something, but I say, and so if you're on the fringe of that, and you're not aware of what's going on, you say, this is Jesus, he's changing everything, he's overthrowing all the rules, so what is Jesus? Did he come to do away with all this stuff? Or is there something deeper at work? So what we're going to do, and Matt, if you could follow along as I read, because I apparently can't read and click at the same time. But uh, here is right in the middle of his sermon, because Jesus is hugely emotionally intelligent, right? He knows how the crowd might receive this. And this is what he says in the middle of all these statements that he's making. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. These are the words of God. for the of God and for these words we are grateful. Did you catch what he said? As if there was any doubt, is Jesus doing away with all the old? No. He says right here, as plain as day, and this is a quote, I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets. So what does that mean, exactly? Not come to abolish the law is pretty straightforward. That was Moses in that era. The law laid out what you do (coughs) and what you don't do. What he's doing instead, though, is he's coming and showing us the, the real intent on how to live that law. And he lives it perfectly. He's the only one that ever has. So if you're looking for a role model, man, don't look, at, don't look this way. Look this way. Mirror that and then show that to the world, not the other way around. He's not going to abolish the law. But why does he also say, <coughs> I'm not going to abolish the prophets? If you remember how this all went throughout history, God wrote it down through Moses. The Ten Commandments came out. That was kept in the Ark of the Covenant. That was the guiding document for the people of Israel. And how did they do with that? Not so good. So as they began to stray, God began to send prophets, people uh, like we read out of Hosea this morning, to tell them from God, hey, look, we have a system. We got a deal. Y'all are straying from that deal, and we need to get back to that. How did that go? Not so good. (laughs) It's a quote, (laughs) right? Yeah, this is is human nature, sadly. And again, I'm chief among you. A human nature is not to fall into God's lap. A human nature is for me to stray and want to do my own thing. And I'm pretty much a pro at it. I, I will just admit that up front. But there's got to be a better way that we bring this all together because what I'm hearing Jesus say is there is a straight and narrow way. And if you don't believe me, let's go back to Jesus. In the same Sermon on the Mount, right after he just said this, here's what he says. Whoops. Whoops. I think I hit the wrong button. There we go. Jesus says there is a straight and narrow road. I don't know if that's good news or bad news to you. The good news is if we're on it, we're good. But if we're not, we might have some trouble. Listen to what he says in Matthew 7. This is still part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. But Jesus isn't doing away with any of that stuff. And so if we think we've got this magic grace card that we can play and just do whatever we want, then maybe we're not understanding this thing called discipleship. Maybe we're not understanding what it means to be a Jesus follower. So we're back to duty. What were the other words? Duty, rules, law, wrath. No. (laughs) This doesn't make sense. I know. But bear with me. The other thing that Jesus says is that we are expected to follow this road, but listen for the change in motive. Jesus says this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. See, in the Old Testament, we followed rules because we were supposed to. In the Old Testament, we followed rules because that was a command, and God said so. Now, you who are parents, when your kids do something and they ask, why? Why should I do that? And you say, because I said so? How does that go over? Or maybe you've been a kid that had that come back from the because pra- I said so. Okay, I'll do it, but I don't want to. And by the way, the minute that you're gone, I'm not doing that anymore. I think that's what God's people did too. Yeah, the minute I don't see you, the, the tent uh, of meeting with the cloud over it, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Hey, let's make a golden calf. This is how this goes, right? So uh, anyone who loves me is a different motive. If you've been in in a relationship and you you, you really earnestly desire to be with someone, you do things that you don't want to do because you love them. It's a whole different take. We still do the things that God asks us to do, but because of love, not because we have to, but because we want. I hope that's a life-changing transition for some of us. I hope that's something that, that makes us go forward because I'll tell you, external controls will work as long as the external control is in place. And when it's gone, it's chaos. But an internal control, the love in our hearts, that will always guide us. That's like a North Star that never disappears. It's the love that Jesus is after that he asks us. If, and he says this in a couple of places, by the way, I just picked one, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. It's not me either. (laughs) It's my magnetic personality, right? (laughs) My father will love them, and listen to this. We will come to them and make our home with them. Folks, this is the way home. This is what Jesus offers, not a change of everything that's happened, but a fulfillment of everything that has happened, and he paves the way for us to do the same. So what it really boils down to, if you think about it, it's the, the traditional argument, law, versus grace law is ten commandments grace is jesus christ how are we saved as jesus followers anybody know we get man you guys are like i should just set you loose on the world but let's do that <laughs> yeah you believe you confess you admit you need a savior you believe the abc's admit you believe you need a savior believe in the savior confess with your tongue that he is christ and you are saved by grace through faith right but what about the rules and, this, and we're always back to the same because we can't get away from it so here's the way this works you can do this demonstration with anything that involves a fold These paper napkin next? any mailers that you get uh, about your car's extended warranty, any political ads saying vote for me even though I've never met you and don't know what you stand for. You know, you get the idea. Anyway, so you take the paper or whatever and you fold it in half. And when I make this crease, what I'm doing is I'm creating the narrow road. Did you see it? There's the narrow road right there. This is the straight and narrow, and we tend to get off of it. Now, some people don't have God at all. They don't have God. They don't have rules. They don't care to know. And they live very two-dimensionally. It is very hard to see the straight and narrow way here, isn't it? It's very difficult, and they're distracted by a million different things, so it's super hard to follow the straight and narrow. Now, God knows this with his people throughout history, so he writes Ten Commandments, and you go from no God to the law. So the, the law says there's a straight and narrow way that you must walk, and if you stray from that, there's a slippery slope that's going to take you down. And oh, by the way, once you stray, you're a, a lawless one. You're a criminal. You're a sinner. And what an uphill climb to get back to the straight and narrow. It's going to take a dozen Hail Marys and maybe some canned food. I just made that up. I <laughs> work with me, Oh, sorry, sorry, my my bad. Uh, Anyway, so we try to earn our way back up to the straight and narrow because this is where we want to be. Because as I understand what Jesus said, there is one road, there is one way, and few find it. Broad is the road when God is not present. Narrow is the way if you believe. And oh, by the way, our beliefs don't shape reality. I hope that's not like a, a mind blower for you. Our beliefs do not shape reality. Reality, though, should shape our beliefs. So we're in big, big trouble because I was pretty happy and dumb here. I was, I was ignorance is bliss. But God came along and made all these rules, and now I'm not happy because I know that I can't follow him. I know that I haven't followed him. I haven't followed him today, if I'm honest with you. And so I'm on this slippery slope, and I can't get back. Well, enter one Jesus, and law becomes grace. There's still a straight and narrow. Nothing has changed about this. But watch what happens when you stray. There's a pull that brings us back. That pull is called grace. And the way that we come back is we don't have to earn a thing because it has been paid. The price has been paid. We are pulled back to the straight and narrow through love, by grace, through faith. It's nothing that we earn. It's always present. And think about this, if we walk this straight and narrow and we're tending to stray, now it's an uphill climb to get away from God, if we're that in love with him. Now, this is where I have to stop for just a second and talk to you guys. Because anytime someone talks to guys about you need to love Jesus more, you're like, do? It's not that kind of love, guys. It's the kind of love of someone who gives their life. It's the kind of love who, that guy that jumped on the grenade kind of love. It's the kind of love that says, no matter what, we're in this together, and I will walk. That kind of love. That's the kind of love that makes it hard to stray from that straight and narrow. I don't want to stray from that. If I'm in touch with who God is and how much he loves me and everything that he's done for me, I don't want to leave that. But I know that if I do, there's always a path back to the straight and narrow by grace through faith. How do we get to that point where we understand and appreciate what God's done for us? Well, I think the first thing is get to know Jesus. He's done so much for us. Like I said earlier, we won't ever understand everything that he's done. because I don't work in those planes. I don't have his wisdom. I don't have his sight. He sees it all. Thank God I don't have to. But look, you'll never be asked to love more than you've already been loved. And if you're drowning in a sea of whatever, financial debt, worry, anxiety, grief, loneliness, whatever, Jesus will find you. He'll reach out to wherever you are. This is the thing that blows me away, the creator of the universe. The way to reach you and me. And he'll do it even if you don't want it. He's there. You will never be asked to love more than you've already been loved. That's amazing to me. That that absolutely blows me away. So when it comes to to reading the Bible, I want to give you a couple of filters that I use. And I'm not saying this is gospel truth. I'm just saying this is the way Bill looks at the Bible because there's a lot to it, as you know. And I need some filters. I need some hacks, if you will, to help me understand how to apply this in life. I encourage you to look at this list and say, Bill, you're full of it. This is the way it should be. That's a great discussion, and I can't wait to have it. But here's how I look at it. Filters for Scripture. The first thing I always ask when somebody says something about Scripture or the way I should live as a Jesus follower, did Jesus say that? That cuts through a lot right there. If he said it, you can put take that to the bank. But we've got to know what he said. How do we do that? Well, we get to know Jesus, and we study the Word, and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us with that. So did Jesus say it? <coughs> okay, maybe Jesus didn't say it. What's the next filter then I use? Did Jesus reference it? Maybe he didn't outright say it, but he references uh, what we would call Old Testament scripture all the time. Uh, who would know better than the word? I mean, when your name is the word, you probably know the word, I'm guessing. So did Jesus reference it? If none of those are true, then the next thing I go back to is, does the New Testament echo the Old Testament? In other words, If you're wondering, was this really uh, uh, something that we should still be doing today? I see it in the Old Testament. Come to the New Testament, see if it's echoed. If it is, then we should still probably be doing it. And if it isn't, we probably shouldn't. You may notice that WordServe does not perform animal sacrifices every week. I hope you notice that. (laughs) Otherwise, the cleanup crew would be entirely different, right, like who are these people and why does their van say crime scene cleanup? uh, Cleanup, anyway. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Why is that? Because it was in the Old Testament, and that's the way that you got purified. When you sinned, you had to make a sacrifice. So what changed? Let's run it through the filter. Did Jesus say that you have to do a sacrifice? Well, that, there's a starter, right? But but he did sacrifice, right? So here's the magic transition. We don't have to sacrifice animals because in the New Testament we see Jesus saying and doing, I am the sacrifice. I am the Lamb of God. So no, we don't sacrifice animals here. Can you imagine the the altar crew, how that would look differently? You come in in the morning, we're checking the sound, we're checking the lights, we're sharpening the knives, you know, just I get excited about that. I guess I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> that's kind of weird. <laughs> so, so grace, grace is the way home. If you want the Father and the Son, to come and make a home with us. It's grace that's going to bring us there most naturally. Now, you can try, if you want to try this, knock yourself out. If you want to live by the law, and you want to climb back up that hill, and you want to live by your willpower every day, go for it. But as Jesus said, unless your righteousness is greater than the Pharisees, you will fail, and you will not be on that straight and narrow road. Or there's grace through faith. So my favorite question that I always like to ask is, we got this grace and this faith, and it brings us back, and God is my personal Savior. Is that all there is? To what end does grace bring me home? Is it for Bill? We have something to say about that, too. Here in Galatians (coughs) 5.13, it says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another love the purpose isn't all about me the purpose isn't to make me feel good to make me feel happy although those things will happen as a byproduct the purpose is to bring me home to walk the straight and narrow so that I can share that with others and bring not I'm not gonna bring them home Jesus is gonna bring them home but I can at least introduce them. I can at least show Jesus to the world we are given freedom for a purpose now Let's make this connection one more time. The word became flesh and died to give us freedom. The word gave us freedom so that we might serve one another. And if you go to a church called Word, serve, you should probably make that connection. I can't make this stuff up, right? Use your freedom to serve one another in love. At the end of the day... We got this Old Testament and this New Testament, and we have three options on how we live. We can live without God and without rules, and we can walk that broad and narrow way and search and search and search for the straight and narrow that we'll never find. We can try it of our own willpower and follow the rules and climb our way back uphill, or we can admit we need a Savior. We can believe in Jesus Christ. We can confess with our tongues. And we can find grace. And grace will lead us home. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for grace. Without it, we'd be lost. I'm not strong enough. I don't know of anybody that is, that's strong enough to do this of our own accord. And I know that you recognize that. So thank you for sending the Savior, the one that will reach out to us no matter where we are, no matter how many times we strayed, the grace that he has provided through his sacrifice provides a way home. God, my prayer this morning is that you would help us to, to reestablish our look at the straight and narrow that you call us to. It's not a restriction. It's a guide. It's a path made by the one who came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God, as we search for many things, In our world, I pray that you would help us to search solely for one, the way. And God, I pray that no matter what we've been through, no matter what we're going through, that we would recognize that it is grace that leads us home. And that we are saved not by any effort, not by how much we know or who we know other than Jesus. We are saved by grace, through faith. For that, we can't thank you enough. Thank you.